Hello, welcome to the Therapy Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Yu, and every single Thursday, I learn lessons from my own therapy sessions and I share them with all of you. I'm so ready to go through and grow through so much with you. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Therapy Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Yu, and I'm joined by my amazing friend and co-host, Danny. Today, we are going to talk about how to ask for what you want in bed. Now, sex for me has always been something obviously I crave and I love, but I am terrified of it. And one of the reasons that I feel so tired of it leads right into our, oh, please, oh, please, oh, oh, please, oh, please. So, Danny, Have you ever had a moment where you are trying to do your best to communicate better about what you want in bed and the person just does not react well, I guess? Like like they just get anxious? Yeah. Okay. So my, oh, please is when I, I've learned over time that I used to just jump into physical stuff because one, I got hormones. Two, I'm attracted to the person. Three, you just want to do it. Okay. But I now am 27. And if I reflect on my 21 year old self, I'm like, okay, now is our time where we're going to actually say, Hey, I kind of want to like slow it down. Right. Because I don't want to jump to it because I actually want to enjoy the getting to know you part too. We forget how nice that marination is. It's like all the flutters and the feels. So an oh, please I have is when I just say that to a guy and they're like, oh, I'm so, oh, I don't know what to do now. Oh, like, can I touch you? Am I allowed to like put my arm around you? It's like, why are you you're now freaked out and and now I have to care about if I've like offended you or made you uncomfortable? Right. Yeah, like you feel oh, like please. all of a sudden you've put the spotlight on them and they are like uncomfortable with it when in reality you just want to open a conversation. Yeah, cuz it's like, "Oh, yay, good job. Win for me. I'm really proud that I'm able to speak up." And they <laughs> right. their response <laughs> makes me go are you kidding? Oh, please. Okay, oh, what's please. your oh please when it comes to the naughty? Okay, this is something kind of related, but I don't know if you've noticed this lately. On TikTok, Instagram, whatever, there's been these videos and reels and whatever going around basically saying that once you hit 30, it's like impossible to date and intimacy becomes so much harder. And while like some of that is true, I also think that that's a limitation that we start to believe and like we place that on ourselves. And yes, it's funny to joke about it, but I also have friends who genuinely believe that about themselves, that the second that they turned 30, somehow like everything in their loins dried up. And I just don't believe that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't believe that's true. And so I think that while it's okay to acknowledge, you know, the systematic pressures that we face as women, as we age and how unfairly we're treated, yada, yada, empower yourself to just not give a shit about that and just like take the narrative back and own it. Because if you're going in with that limitation on yourself, of course, it's going to be hard to date. Of course, it's going to be hard to get laid. Yes, that internalized narrative of, oh, I'm just dried up and unattractive. And then you start to genuinely believe that and feel that, which will then make you act certain ways or hide certain parts of you because you're afraid. Right. Like you think everybody is perceiving that about you. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. Obviously, there's people out there that are like shitty and do think that, but not every person that you're going on a date with or getting intimate with believes that about you. But if you have that narrative in your head, it's almost impossible to break out of that. 
No. And honestly, I'm feeling excluded because I'm in my 20s. I feel that way. It's not just 30s, Danny. We feel like we can't do anything either. <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> well, that's so good. Uh, let's jump into talking about how to ask for what you want in bed. So do you know how to ask for what you want in bed, Kelly? Well, I don't even know the last time I've practiced doing that. <laughs> Maybe it's I was <laughs> I was talking to my friend. She is uh, has been single for quite some time. Her last relationship was a very serious relationship. You know, it just takes time to heal and recover, which so awesome that she did that. And now she's been dating and hanging out with someone that she likes. And she decided to communicate. This is what my oh, please was. This is my oh, please for this show. She is finally able to call. She she's finally able to talk to herself and then communicate that to the people she's dating, which is scary, right? A lot of us end up talking to our friends and ourselves and our therapists about like, oh, I, I want this or I want to say this. And she directly said to him in between like some intimate moments that they had, like, I just want to take it slow. And he had the moment of being like getting a little awkward and tight. And imagine how that makes you feel. Right, right. And so, you know, did anything come out of that or was it kind of just like it fizzled out? Well, it was only yesterday. <laughs> okay. So you don't no. have the deeds on that. So no. With you, has that ever happened? Like obviously it's your oh please, but have you been in a situation where you've been asking for something during intimacy and the person is just froze, like stage fright? Okay. I had this really sad pattern for probably five years of my life where I would label myself as having intimacy issues and daddy issues to kind of push guys off of me. But I wrote that as my narrative, kind of like what we were just talking about right. when you take on a lot of the blame when it comes to being a person who is trying to get more comfortable with sex and talking about it, but you end up just labeling yourself so you don't make them feel bad. But it's also like, hey, maybe they just don't make you feel comfortable and wanting to do that. Totally. Yes. So in the times when I would say to their face, hey, do you want to make out or hey, do you want to like, you know, touch, like sit with me and touch me or like you can, they'd be like, oh, I didn't know because all this time, which I just feel like the energy of the way they say it is different than being like, really? That's so great because I understand in the past you've struggled. I felt right. like it was a like little bit of a- ways to do it. And I think that's the interesting piece about this conversation is there's nothing wrong with if you were unsure to be like, yeah, I wasn't sure where your boundary was or I wasn't sure where we were at on this topic versus being like, I didn't know how to act around you because you told me you didn't like being touched or you struggle with intimacy and it's like placing it all back on you to manage their emotions about it. Yes. And I felt so embarrassed almost for asking. Right. Because like you're then, being dramatic. Yes. And, and then I felt like, oh, I didn't trust that I now had the craving because they're mirroring back to me. I thought you had issues. And then you start to clam up. I think when you just feel very, uh, when you first start to open up and then you get reminded that you used to be closed off or scared or have had trauma or just not good sexual relationships, or if you've never even had a sexual relationship, you might end up closing off if you feel like all of a sudden you've made a new choice in life. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. I'm curious to know because obviously as we get older, it becomes easier to know what we like and don't like in the bedroom. I think that's yeah. all comes with age because I can remember being, you know, in my early 20s and being like, I think I like this and looking back being like, nope, or like vice versa, being too scared to like something because I was scared of how I would be perceived by my partner, yeah. maybe like too promiscuous or 
like, you know, or too adventurous or like too vanilla. You know, you're thinking about all those things. Yes. How long did it take you to to recognize what you like and what feels good for your body? Oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when you're doing stuff on social media, you're like, I really hope my exes don't see this. <laughs> but they're such a big part of our life. Right. This person who I dated in the past changed me and I don't want them to listen to this and feel good about it. I'm just kidding. You know, but there are moments in your life where you just have one sexual partner and you realize so much about yourself and I have dated. Yes. And so I think learning that through action may have been scary for me too, because I've never really been into very intense, rough play type just because I never experienced it. And I think I was actually very embarrassed by that. That you when hadn't I, experienced or that you no, were that I really that you enjoyed it? That I enjoyed it because honestly, a lot of my other girlfriends would be like, oh, I would never let him do that to me. And it's like, why would you react like that? Sex, right. is, it makes you sex feel is whatever so you want. It's fluid. You can do whatever you want with it. Also, my therapist told me something that's super important because I've actually dated people who have had a lot of unhealthy relationships with sex and their sexual identity. And that can manifest in very, very scary ways for them and then for their partners, which was me when I found out a lot about, you know, fetish and kink. And I love fetish and kink too, but there are certain ones that can be from drama. But what she said to me that was comforting is, I hate to say it, but whatever sexual preferences and, and kinks and stuff you have, you really cannot change them. They're very much embedded in you um, from your life experiences. You actually, it's very difficult to change and it's frankly not possible. And I've had two different therapists tell me that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so kind of going back to this sudden realization that you were into this particular type of play, Mm -hmm. has it been easier to ask for that with different partners? Do you have the ability to like, you know, communicate, hey, I really like this. How have you done that? Also hoping my ex doesn't listen to this. I haven't done it. Since? Nope. Stop. No. I've You're been, joking. You're joking. No, I've not. Not once. Not no, once no one has touched my bare life. bones. And um, but that comes from a, a choice place, truly. Okay. I mean, it does. Right. I think for a lot of us, as we've gotten older, we've taken these legitimate self-caring breaks from dating and intimacy because I realized I didn't have any connection with myself in a lot of these relationships. And um, I, oh wait, no, I did. No, wait, I didn't. Uh, No, no, I didn't. (laughs) Maybe I did. No, I didn't hook up with anyone. Um, And that's almost embarrassing for me to say because I want to be this person who's like, get out there, do your thing and embrace yourself. Totally. I'm not restricting myself, but I think I felt like actually a lot of my body had been robbed in a way by my own self offering it out when I wasn't ready, as well as past partners really taking advantage of me in uh, honestly abusive relationships. So I think the last, I don't even want to say how long, this time that I've been off, not getting off, has been really good for me. Right. Of course. But you're horny and it sucks. (laughs) Totally. I'm curious though, like, you know, now that you've discovered this kink and you haven't had a partner since. Yeah. How do you approach that conversation with a new partner now? Like, do you even know? Do you have an idea? How Like, how early do you introduce that? Because I think that's the big fear for a lot of people when they are, they, when they have a, a fetish or a kink or something they're into, 
Uh, mm-hmm. I've been with my husband for six years and I still Queen. feel anxious about bringing something new up Aww. because it disrupts the flow, right? So I can't imagine uh, with a new partner that you don't have that comfort level. Oh, that's such a good question. It makes me really, yeah. Okay. So if I'm picturing myself right now, I think that it would probably be what around like the fourth date, not that number of dates matter, but you think about, okay, first date, you're getting hangout. Second date, you get to know each other more. It gets a little bit more, you know, I like you. I like you. Third, probably maybe you've kissed by then. That's, I'm just thinking my own narrative, right? Of course. This is totally your <laughs> own experience of dating. And then I'm the a f- kiss me on the first date or I'm out. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone is so different. And that's what I'm telling you all. It's like, I think I've just been through so much of this where I just want it to to practice going a little bit slow for mine because I've never really done that or I've waited like 55 dates. I'm very extreme. It's one or the other, right? I'll be like, five years later, we haven't kissed, but we still text. Great. Um, and I think on the fourth date, <laughs> I would probably just be like, hey, you know, I'm really attracted to you and I'm just curious about like you and what you're attracted to because those are things that I would never be able to say when I was younger because I love it's, that. Right. Like it's annoying me horny. <laughs> I love it. That's the only person that said that to me in so long. Um, and I'm really going to bask in that for a second. I just realized that no one has said that to me in so long. <laughs> no, but I love that Kelly because it's true. Like we often, we expect that those conversations have to happen as, as sex is happening, right? Like oh, we are like, yeah. okay, I cannot talk about what I'm into yeah. until you're about to penetrate me or do whatever, you know? Yes. But the reality is like <laughs> there's something kind of sexy and flirty and fun about having a conversation when you're just hanging out and being like, what are you into? Like, what's your vibe? And it's also kind of a good intro to like getting into the bedroom, right? Like it's a good segue. Yes. 100%. And I think the biggest piece of juiciness from me realizing that I would actually say that is we as humans feel so scared about, you said it perfectly, just talking about it without doing it. In the moment, if you're making out or hooking up and then you talk about it, that is not really, um, to me, it doesn't feel like authentic, safe communication because yeah, it doesn't feel jarring. safe. Right. And it doesn't feel like you believe that you're allowed to talk about it if you're not already putting it into action. And I think that takes away from true intimacy. And also it gives you, I think a lot of us have a scarcity mindset when it comes to dating. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is the best way to describe how Mm -hmm. so many of us date is scarcity mindset. Yeah. I've never used that that term, (laughs) but it's perfect for that. Like, you know, Yes. And so when I realized that all of my dating past was simply scarcity fear, Mm. I would kind of morph to someone's sexual preferences because, I mean, I'm down for whatever. If you want to be vanilla, if you want to be wild, you know, everyone's on a spectrum and you can enjoy just being intimate with someone when you like them. And it doesn't even have to be sex. It could be touching, kissing, sitting together, whatever you think that is. But I think that I wouldn't have allowed myself to also express, I'm attracted to you. Why are are you on this date if you're not attracted to them? A lot of people are afraid to say, I like you. I'm attracted to you. I would want to touch your body. Why are we on this date if you can't even say that to them? Because you know what? And this is my own experience with this too, is it is a level of vulnerability that you're not willing to tap into because it is assumed if you're dating somebody that you're attracted to them or that you like them. But to say it, to put it out there and be like, yeah, I'm really into you or I really like you or I think you're sexy, 
the word saying to somebody, I think you're sexy, terrifies me. And I'm married. Like, to me, to go right now and be like, to my husband, I just think you're sexy. I feel like my stomach would just fall out. Like, I just can't eat. I I have, like, chills right now because I don't remember the last time I did that. Like, I'll say, you know, you can tell somebody – there's such a difference, right? You can tell somebody, you look really good today or I love what you're wearing or I love your haircut. But to be like, oh, I think you're sexy is like – like pump the brakes. Okay. Okay. This is so good and interesting because that is what I felt. Um, I, in my past was super toxic and I would want to, because I was so insecure and broken and I was in a codependent relationship. We kind of had this thing where you just crave power over each other in ways. I'm not like that now, but that reminds me of, I wouldn't want to, it's, it's, it's I've this is years ago and it's not a bad thing. I want you all to realize when you're listening to the Therapy Thursday podcast, we are going to say a lot of things that we used to be or have realized about ourselves that sound messed up and like that's the point you learn from your oh, we've own been, We've been fucked up. Yeah, we've been so toxic and I remember never wanting to compliment him because he was so attractive because I felt so yucky about myself and I'm not wow. saying you're doing that but it's no, a power it, move. It is a power move and you're 100% right. It's never it's never because I don't think that. It's because I am unwilling to mess up the balance yeah. that we have. Like, I'm like, if you know that, it's even like, it's the same thing as saying thank you or apologizing, right? It upends the balance. But when you bring intimacy into that, going back to the topic of asking for what you want, all of a sudden you're putting yourself in your head at a lower level because you're like, I just showed you my cards. You have the power to now make me feel really good about myself or to make me feel like garbage. And you hold that power over me. And with something as, as so vulnerable as sex and intimacy. Yes. And I think that's why it is hard to even introduce the conversation of this is what I would want in bed because that is a vulnerable thing. You're letting them into your brain and your body and the way that they now will understand you more. That's what the scariest thing about it is. And obviously, there's the other part, which is judgment. We are so afraid that that's not what they like. So then they're not going to want to do that with me. They're not going to like me based off of what this is. Or you're just simply so scared to say it. And I think when we think about the topic of sex, what's really important, I've kind of broken this down into a little ladder for myself. So Danny, there's the first big overarching level, which is sex, right? Sex, making out, touching, feeling that sexual attraction. Physical. Yeah, physical. Thank you. But I think most of us truly crave and need true intimacy. And when I say intimacy, that means this level of closeness that is not possible without vulnerability. So true. You have to let someone in, which causes you to be vulnerable. And in order to be vulnerable and open, you have to tap into your authenticity and that is scary across all aspects of our lives. Being the true you, being the real you and letting people see it. So many of us do feel we have like an inner badness. That's something that I talked a lot about in therapy. My therapist would say, do you feel like you're not worthy? Do you feel like you're bad? And I'd be like, no. Like, what do you mean? I would never think that about myself. But that is a true kind of subconscious feeling of, inherently bad and that kind of stems from a lot of your life experiences and and maybe even childhood I've always felt like I need to prove my goodness to someone so I'm never gonna really be my full self because there's possibility for them to think parts of me are bad and so tied to your sexuality because I think as young adults and children even 
we were taught in a lot of our homes. I know you and I personally have experienced this. Our perception of sex was that it was kind of dirty. So like there was a right way to do sex and then there was a lot of wrong ways to do sex. I also went to Catholic school. I'm not even Catholic. We just went to a Catholic school in Chinatown because we lived eight houses down from it my whole life. I lived – but and then I went to Christian summer schools because it was across the street. And I remember in my religion class, my teacher saying, touching yourself, you're going to hell. So can you imagine? I went to the – I went to private Christian school my whole life, K through 12. And there was, you know, sex ed literally covered how not to have sex. It was just like how to avoid having sex, how to crush the urges, how to make sure that you are not engaging in anything immoral. And there was always these instances in my school of teenagers, this is a high school, that would be on like these, you know, band trips and stuff doing this like almost unnecessary groping because they were just trying to get out their feelings and like – I always think back like if there was just honest conversations around sexual health that were that was health like you know like healthy healthy sexuality and healthy outlets so much of that would just be avoided because there was so much of my teen years and my early adult years that I was convinced that like the things that I was into were wrong and dirty and invalid and that people would think that I was you know very promiscuous or that I was like a dirty naughty girl when in reality I don't think any you of those things You are a dirty naughty girl. <laughs> yeah, you are. Thank you. But you know you don't think of yourself that yeah. way. You're like this is just something that feels natural and right to me and that I'm into and to be kind of put in this box of like all of a sudden I need to be like, you know, this over-sexualized caricature of myself. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like me. It felt like if I would talk to people about what I was into, I was becoming like a cartoon version of myself, like this really hypersexualized outlet. Hmm, that's so interesting. And I and I heard what you said kind of, you know, just reflecting when we we're talking about this now when I was younger, grade school, I don't remember ever hearing about, you know, people touching themselves or anything Never. about sexuality with people. And I'm wondering for all of you listening right now, maybe just us reflecting for a second. I was not encouraged to explore my body when I was younger at all. No, not at all. And even like, I don't know about you, but like I wasn't even learning about my body in like a scientific way or like a health science way, let alone a sexuality way, right? So in school, had somebody maybe sat us down and been like, these are the parts of your body that like belong to you. Here's the names of them. Here's what they do. Like, you know, this is so random and kind of off topic, but like I didn't know how to put a tampon in at 14 because nobody had taught me. And that ties into sexuality because your body, like you don't know the different parts. You just think of it as a vagina. You don't know that there's all these different parts (laughs) that exist that have different purposes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally. I remember the biggest narrative I always had replaying in my head is we lived with my Chinese grandmother who took care of us a lot when my parents were at work. And she would legitimately say to me in Chinese, she'd say, don't let anyone touch your, and then in Chinese, the word is doo-doo, which is like, uh, like a I like a little yeah doo doo. So she would l- literally yell at us, "Don't let anyone touch your doo doo ever, ever, anywhere." And so imagine how that makes you feel. It's like you're no longer connected to that part of you, and you feel like you have to keep it locked in in a cage. Yes. It's and like a it's do- like a, a random thing. It's not actually connected to you because you you and this is something that is really common in in, in new parenting. As a, as a young mom, I hear all the time like, "Don't replace the word." 
penis with like PP or like wiener and you're, you're just you're instantly you're supposed you, you're I'm not even joking like my yeah. initial reaction is to be like little wiener but like I know when I'm talking about it in the future I need to be so present and saying like Danny has a son everyone Danny I, I'm a toddler is... I'm not just like a weirdo <laughs> no you <laughs> have a son PPs. and, and how old is he He'll How be two this year. He's two. Yeah. yeah. Just for everyone who's jumping yeah. in. Sorry, like, preface what? that. But you know, it's true. Like we it's very easy as as people to disassociate the 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 body because it's uncomfortable. Like, you know, you see those jokes of people being like, Can you say vagina, 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 and not get embarrassed? And there's people who genuinely can't because we've been what? so conditioned to yeah. talk about sexuality as something that is either another or like bad you know we can't ever just neutrally talk about our bodies and what they do and what feels good and what doesn't feel good oh my gosh totally so if anyone doesn't feel comfortable saying vagina I know you're very tempted to say doo-doo but don't do it (laughs) this leads so well into how I've started to realize maybe there are some steps that we can tell you all that I follow as well. Well, I will follow when I end up doing it. But these are things that I really think would help in how to actually ask for what you want in bed to someone. This doesn't have to be your long-term partner. It doesn't have to be your husband, your boyfriend. This can be anyone because regardless of the relationship dynamic you have with someone, if you're going to let them touch you, they should they should want to and be able to at least discuss it. And that's one of the big red flags. That's the first thing I'm going to say is I know the word red flags is so overdone. So I'm just going to say there are some signs that you might notice if you want to bring up the topic of conversation regarding, hey, I'm attracted to you. What are you attracted to? And would you want to do this with me? If they start to close off and feel weirded out, isn't it interesting that we are okay with that? But we're going to be like, but they still want to do it. I've done that so much in my life where I couldn't talk to a guy about anything, but I would let them in my body. Oh my gosh. And not even about anything, but like just particularly about sex and intimacy. Like you're about to consent to having sex with each other, but you can't actually verbalize that. Like that is, that is the the danger zone. The danger zone. It is. And that's what leads to, okay, well, great. If it's not something that they're against talking about and it's something that you've finally realized that you need to talk about, how I would start asking is bring it up in kind of a fun, playful way because sex should be fun and playful and enjoyable for you. And we're making sure you're not going to, you're not shrinking yourself to only make them feel comfortable by making it nice and fun. You can also bring in the And I'm also intimidated to talk about this. I was a little nervous to talk to you about it. That's something that I learned in therapy so much is inviting people in to know what your, how your stream of consciousness works, even as you're talking, you don't have to come to them with a presentation. No. And we're all different communicators. So like you're, what you're thinking in your brain, they might not even be able to conceptualize in the way that they communicate or the way that their perception is. And so it's just so important that by giving a little rope of insight and and letting them know this is actually where I'm at, they might be like, I had no idea that that's where you were at. Or they might be like, thank God, I'm feeling the exact same way. Like, let's connect on this. Yeah. And the hard part, too, is a lot of people are afraid of the opposite reaction of someone just, you know, clamming up and being like, I don't feel that when they don't even like that. That's okay too, because we're once again, not going to be dating and having sex with people based on fear of scarcity. If they end up not aligning with you, that is your chance to work on that self-value and self 
self-worth piece of I deserve to have what I want. And it doesn't mean that sex is the only basis for connection and wanting that with someone. But take that as data and information to know that you can still find that probably in your life somewhere. Yes. Or you two can work on it. Yes. And it's an ongoing thing. Like, obviously, if this is the first time you're sleeping with somebody and they're not into that particular thing, it's not fair to expect them to change in that second because things take time. There's a lot of growing that happens in intimacy. And so I have been through this myself where I've been asked of something and immediately my gut reaction is no, 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 no. And as I begin to trust that person more and I begin to explore that with myself, I've had changes of heart and body where I'm like, all right, like let's give this a go. You don't place that expectation on them or yourself to have it be an instantaneous turnaround because it, it is a process. And I promise you, everyone, it won't be as scary as you keep thinking that it's going to be the talk. It really is just not going to be. You're going to be like, oh, even if it doesn't quote unquote work out, maybe the way that you're predicting or wanting it to, you're, you're going to feel relieved. And when you are second guessing yourself and not listening to your gut, you have to affirm yourself. You can ask for what you want. And when you are asking for, for what you want during sex, you're doing three amazing things. Okay, listen to this. You're finally advocating for yourself, which is something a lot of us don't do in many aspects of our life, family, friends, work, whatever the hell it is. Two, you are inviting and creating a safe space for you and your partner. That's what you want. You want to feel safe and open. That's what we are dying for. And we always feel like, oh, I don't know. So that's the second one. And then three, you are legitimately writing a new scripts about sex and pleasure. And maybe you'll encourage people around you to stop feeling so afraid. And it all starts with you anyway, knowing what you want, knowing what you like, and being able to communicate it. Those are huge milestones, at least at least for me. Vent here. This is the part of the show where we react to your vents, and I absolutely love giving you all the space to share what you're feeling, what you're going through right now, anything that might be bugging you, or something really cool that's gone on in your life. We are going to react and respond right now. Okay, our vent session. We asked you all to share some of your sex stories or things that maybe you don't know how to talk about sex, anything sex, and I'm going to react to them as Danny reads them to me. Um, okay, this is a wild one, and I think we've all been through this. He wanted to have sex without a condom. I said no, so we broke up. <gasps> what? They broke – What? Yeah, so the the guy in the relationship wanted to have sex without a condom and the other partner said no, which is smart of them, and then they broke up because of it. That pisses me off so much because, okay, first of all, let's get something straight. No one likes a condom, so if someone's saying, I want a condom, that's them taking care of themselves and you. And right. two, I can speak from personal experience. I've had moments where I was actually dating someone who had a condition, okay, like one where I could get it, but we were in a committed relationship. And so it was a situation where my gynecologist, I went to her and said, hey, I found out this about my partner and they're seeing their own doctor, but how do we have safe sex? And I was in a committed monogamous relationship with someone, but we had to use condoms. And I remember some moments where my partner would kind of get weird about it. And I thought to myself, hold on a second. 
I'm not the one who needs to be protected from. So this isn't something that I want. And those moments made me feel really bad about my own self protecting myself because it's not even quote unquote my fault. Right. So the fact that this person would break up with that person or maybe the person who said no in this response didn't like the fact that that person wasn't okay with it and they ended the relationship, which is awesome. But that's pretty sad. I think it's one of those things, too, that ties back to the way that we are taught about sexuality and sexual health. And there's not enough emphasis on just taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. because then that conversation would feel way more normal. If it, exactly. was, if, if it was normalized, if we were taught that from an earlier age. And let me tell you all a fun fact. I didn't realize this, and this is probably why I, pro- I can't talk. Okay, here's a fun fact for everyone. I only learned this after doing uh, a partnership with Actually Love Wellness <laughs> uh, on my Instagram because I've used boric acid suppositories for two years, even before I started learning exactly what I thought they were just to kind of cure yeast infections, which they do really help balance your pH. And I learned when I was posting about Love Wellness about semen pH. I didn't realize that pH of semen can absolutely wreck. I'm sorry, semen can wreck your vaginal pH. The fact that I didn't know that and, you know, I've been in committed monogamous relationships, so I didn't always need to use a condom. And I remember feeling really shamed by my friend actually recently. She didn't mean to. It was just her reaction made me feel weird. You know, she had always done like the pullout method. And I was like, oh, I never did that. She did it for her whole relationship. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And, And she was so shocked and kind of grossed out that I didn't and I was like and I was like what like I'm not reacting negatively to yours we're just different but then I realized oh maybe that's why I always had yeast infections but it's not just that it can also be based on their because every like you know ph and like semen, all of these things are unique to each individual, right? So one person is going to have a completely different chemical makeup than another person. So you can actually be with a partner that gives you UTIs because of totally. the, because of the chemical makeup that they have. And this is so common where you'll see young women, I feel like we probably have both been through this, where you will constantly be getting bladder infections or UTIs when you're sexually um, intimate with this particular person because your bodies actually don't like the chemicals kind of react to each other, right? And so you this whole time think that you're like broken because you're like, (gasps) why do I keep getting UTIs every time I have sex? When in reality, maybe that person, you guys just have different like balances. And so I learned this actually when I was living abroad this is, again, how we know North America has failed us, Kelly, because when I was talking to my girlfriends in Germany who were a few years older than me, I was telling them about the same thing that I was going through, very similar to what you're describing. And they literally were like, Danny, that's just because like you guys don't mesh, like your body chemistry doesn't mesh. And they were like trying to explain this to me. And I was like, what? That's not true. And they were like, yes. And they were like, t- like teaching me from their experiences through their own sexual education, because obviously Europeans are a lot more progressive in the way that they do sex ed. I was like, how do we not learn this? And so you're just taught your whole life that you just have to live with UTIs when in reality there's like fixes for that. So very interesting. Oh, the idea you triggered me in the best way to realize that, yes, I've always felt like my vagina was broken and this 
still pisses me off to this day, Danny. The last guy I dated, I would get a lot of yeast infections because that's just how my body is too. Like I just get them. And now you're making me feel so much better about it because it's like, yeah, it's you. No, I'm just kidding. Just a lethal (laughs) combination. It's it's both of you. Don't worry. (laughs) But do you want to know what he said to me one time? This this guy. Mm -hmm. This ex. Okay, yeah. And you know who I'm talking about. I do. He said – no girl I've ever been with has ever had a yeast infection. And you said, I'm special. <laughs> right. And <laughs> my I, body's and I, different. I didn't even say a thing. In my head, I was looking at him and I said, do you not realize that girls lie to you? <laughs> also, like, how insecure are you that you can't just be like, oh, like, I'm sorry this is happening. How do we fix it? Instead of just being like, it's not me. It's you. It's definitely your body. It has nothing to do with me. Right. It's like my pussy was fine before you put your dick in it. So, yeah. Yes. Totally. Interesting. Okay. This is an interesting one. Um, This person wrote in saying, my boyfriend wants me to give him a blowjob for his birthday and I'm really not into them. How do I say no? And I BJ think this is- for the B day, BJ for the B day, for the B boy. I'm curious about this though because I think that there's a fine line between obviously – being uncomfortable with something and not wanting to do something and then also trying to manage what each partner feels validated by in their relationship. Yes. Okay. I listen to uh, the Nikki Glaser podcast a lot. I absolutely love it. And recently she was just talking about um, giving head and one of her jokes in her standup is, we don't like doing things we're not good at. Oh, I saw that one. And it's so true. And I'm not saying this about this person, but I think that I would encourage this person to maybe explore in their in themselves. Why is it that you are so against it? And it's okay to be depending on something maybe that has happened to you. It's totally okay to have preferences. But is there any exploration as to why you don't want to and what makes you feel unsafe about it? What's the motivation? You know, totally. I agree with you 100%. And that's really funny that you say that because (laughs) like anything, it is terrifying to do something that you are not an expert at or maybe don't feel like, you know, the, the most experienced in. Oh, especially when it comes to sex, because if you're bad at a blowjob and they start getting soft in your mouth, you're just like, I'm disgusting, which is also (laughs) not true. You just want to disappear. (laughs) Genuinely. And so for this vent, it's so legitimate to have preferences as to what you want to do and what not to do. But it does sound like for this partner, the fact that it's that prized to be a birthday gift, I think is interesting to communicate more with yourself about it and then talk to them because... It's also okay if you're not feeling like you're good at it. It's more of this is your partner and they want to have that intimate moment with you. And it's not that you should be flattered. It's not that. It's just explore what's going on with you in a kind way. Don't be judgmental about like, what's wrong with me? Just be like, oh, I wonder what's up with that. And also a great opportunity if you are not feeling like you know what is, you know, the, the good way of doing it or you're not good at it in your head, you know, ask them what they like. That's that vulnerability piece, right? That's why we often say, "Mm, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Instead of in life, we do that a lot, right? For example, if I want to learn to play piano and I took one lesson and I sucked, I'd be like, I hate piano because it doesn't make you feel good and things take time and it will be really cool for you and your partner to have chances to once again communicate and that makes you two closer. Yeah. 
Very good point. All right, last one here. This one's all about virginity. So this person wrote in saying, I have not lost my virginity and I am in my mid-20s. I'm not embarrassed about it, but now I don't know how to bring it up with a partner when I'm actually interested in being intimate. Okay, first thing that comes to mind is when I think about how gross it is for some people to like want to take people's virginities. So let's not go for those types. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, let's filter Uh, those out. (laughs) That must be really – that's really cool that they – have gone throughout their life not giving in to pressures because those are everywhere. I mean, I don't know when you lost your virginity, Danny, but I remember when I did, I was like, okay, you know, it was scary and I didn't rush into it, but I did feel like, okay, did that. Oh, I literally, well, you well, know me, you- I, I just need to know what everything is like. So <laughs> mine had nothing to do with intimacy or pleasure or enjoyment. It had everything to do with, I just want to know what this is about. And was it with a was it a random person? Yeah, it was like a careless just like let's just get this over with. And I don't really have any regrets about that now. Obviously at the time it was a bit traumatic because everybody tells you that it's this important life-changing moment when you lose your virginity and for some people it is and that's really special. And for me it involved an air mattress and a person that I don't even remember <laughs> their last name anymore. So you know, it was just like totally different for me. And I don't, again, I don't regret that because I knew the person I was as a teenager was just, I was fearless and I was, I just wanted the answers myself. Anybody could have told me and I wouldn't have believed them. And uh, was it wow. a wasted 15 minutes of my life? Yeah, I could have probably been <laughs> Was it really 15? Was it really? Did he I last 15? For, I would say from start to finish. That includes all the <laughs> the bra fumbling. <laughs> totally. So it's it's five minutes of bra fumbling, two minutes of making out, and then and then seven minutes of condom. <laughs> and then one minute of pumping. Did that add up? Everyone do the math. I think that do actually added up. Know. Yeah. My first time... We should just do an episode about that. But I knew it was going to hurt. I knew it was going to hurt. And oh boy, did it hurt. I didn't ride horses as a kid. So that's why it hurt. Me neither. Well, not those, (laughs) not real horses anyways. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So back to actually addressing what this person is venting to us. Communicating that to a partner is actually a very cool thing, but it's scary because once again, we feel like it's so vulnerable. We're scared of being judged. And I think a lot of it could be because we're afraid of them not wanting us because we're quote unquote inexperienced. Yeah. You know, if or you haven't done the opposite it. that they fetishize, fetishize us Correct. and put us on this pedestal and they make it so much more than it actually has to be. Right. They're like, let me teach you. And I actually did. I'm not going to keep naming who it was. I know I don't name them, but I'm not going to say when. But there was one person that I definitely felt like was like, oh, look what I'm doing. You've never done this. Which is not – I thought it was hot at the time. And it kind of is. But then you kind of psychoanalyze it later and you're like, hmm. Kelly, I've been that person. This is why this podcast is so good because first of all, you're like, I just wanted to get it out the way. I didn't, I didn't matter to me. I've been this person and here I am. I just love that because man, it's like you were my ex. It's good. It's good. But no, it's it's interesting to hear the dynamics because I've been both people, right? Like I've been the person who feels inexperienced in the room or whatever. And I've been the person I'm like collecting my bones. Oh my God. <laughs> and I hate that. Like that's like a very, that comes from an insecure place, right? As somebody who right. is that person. 
or was that person not is but that came from an insecure place of feeling like I can't maybe offer much else in this relationship but if I can do this like if I can take this from you or if I can expose you to this true this world and now this show is called to catch a predator (laughs) no this was so amazing for us to both kind of reflect on how far we've come with our sexual journeys and we haven't come (laughs) I need to. How far? How often? Yeah. I, uh, how inoften, maybe? If I can comb through the cobwebs down there, maybe we'll get there someday. This was so great to realize, too, how much more there is to go. You know, when we talk about how to do stuff or what we've learned or what we're going to try. That's the whole point of Therapy Thursday is we're processing a lot of things as we go through life. And we just want to let you all in on the real feelings and the real thoughts and struggles and dynamics that we all relate to each other so well, even if we have completely different situations, whether it was what the virginity one and then the condom one. And then what was the other one? Blowjobs. Yeah, we still definitely understand how confusing or weird or awkward or difficult things can be. And I think that's why Therapy Thursday is so amazing. Thank you all for listening. And if you have any thoughts about your own sexuality, communicating that, just let yourself kind of marinate in that today or for the rest of the week. Just take a moment. If any of the things that you heard today are helping you kind of see something maybe you didn't before, it might be scary. It might be intimidating. It might make you really feel stressed out and you don't want to think about it that's okay put it aside but I wouldn't bury it I think it's really cool when I hear something and I go hmm kind of made me feel a type of way but Danny thank you so much any last words all right thank you everyone for listening to Therapy Thursday and we will see you next Thursday